0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from the sky. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds. And from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. As we hear the words of our reading today, our eyes are directed forward to that day when the Lord will come again, which is not today. And yet it is a day that we look forward to. And as we hear those words, these words themselves point to another day just one week away, when we celebrate the great solemn feast of the Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, where we gaze upon that one whose return we look forward to in the mystery and the glory of his lordship. And following that, the church year, the liturgical year comes to an end. We have readings in a sense of ending, the ending of all things, as our year comes to an end. And then we move to another year the following week on the 28th of November, the first Sunday of Advent. And this is important because the other thing that happens with moving to a new liturgical year is our Sunday gospel changes. We stop reading from the Gospel of Mark, which we have been reading through this year, and we will begin reading through Sunday after Sunday after Sunday the Gospel according to Luke. And one may wonder, well, that's nice to know, but what does that have to do with today? And it has everything to do with today. Because what we do on Sundays in following the particular order of the liturgy, the order of the readings that the church sets before us is that we are ordering our coming together, we are ordering our lives according to the order of the life of Jesus Christ. We move through the seasons of his life, his birth, his suffering, his rising, through the season of his teaching and his miracles, and as we engage his life in the ordered unfolding of its mysteries, little by little, our hearts are put in order by those selfsame mysteries. Because we recognize that it makes no sense to say Jesus Christ is Lord if his lordship does not put my life in order. And there was a remarkable piece of scientific uh, research that was just released a couple months ago. And it was focused on what happens to people when they listen, when they listen, not when they read silently, when they listen to a story that is being told by someone who is speaking. And the remarkable thing was they actually connected monitors to the hearts, of a number of individuals, and found that as people listened to the same story being told, and this wasn't the result when they simply read the story, their hearts began to beat in similar fashions. And it didn't matter if they were in the same room. All that mattered was they were listening to the same voice telling the same story. It didn't matter if it was a different time of day. It didn't matter if they were separated by hundreds of miles. As they listened, their hearts began to beat in a way that corresponded to the beating of the hearts of the other listeners. The listening was ordering the rhythm of the heart. Note how important that idea is. confirms what we, the faithful, have known for centuries. That when we listen together, not simply when we read privately, when we listen together to the proclamation of the saving mysteries, our lives begin to move in a unified way. Our lives begin to beat according to the rhythm of the story of salvation. What a wonderful reality that is. What a wonderful expression of engaging the lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is vitally important because, oh, we listen to lots of stories, don't we? There are all kinds of stories around us. There's the story of greed and ambition that the world repeats to us incessantly. And when we as a people listen to that story, what happens? Without our even realizing it, our heart begins to beat in time with it. When we listen to stories that are filled with paranoia, with fear, And that is what we attend to and pay attention to on a daily basis, should we then be so surprised that our hearts are always agitated, and that we find ourselves living in a society that is more agitated than peaceful. Note how important, then, every Sunday, stepping away from all of those other narratives, Stepping away even from those private narratives, that story we tell ourselves over and over again, how inadequate I am, how worthless I am, those false ideas we buy into, that litany of regrets that we tell over and over again are in our houses, that incessant story of complaint that we can find ourselves falling into. Is it any wonder then that in our homes as well, our hearts as we live together pick up that same troubled beating, (coughs) the beating of that troubled tale of problems and difficulties and frustrations? And when that's what we listen to, should we be surprised at what happens to our living together? And so we come together on Sunday. And note how important then Sunday becomes to come aside and to make it a point to listen to the only narrative that saves, the only story that communicates the fullness of life. And as his people, to allow his voice and his word to put our hearts in order in the middle of this world that disorders them so readily and so frequently. And this beating of the heart, according to the rhythm of the mysteries of Jesus, is what runs through our celebration of the liturgical year. And so we are coming to a culminating point In that story, as we hear these words of the gospel, the Lord looking forward to that day, that day when he will return, and when his return will place all things in the true and proper order intended by God. And as he speaks that way, the Lord who knows our hearts, gives us some very important instructions. The first he says, when the day comes, these will be the signs. And So let me ask you this. If the sun suddenly stopped shining, do you think you would notice it? If the moon's light disappeared from the sky, do you think you might notice that? If stars started falling, do you think it would get our attention? So note what the Lord is saying first. When the day comes, you won't miss it. The sign won't be hidden. And when he speaks that way, one of the things he's implying is, don't mistake every little difficulty or every moment of earthly crisis, every series of storms, every conflict between nations as the sign that that day is here. Because if you've got to ask the question, it's not the sign. When that moment is upon us, and he doesn't say he'll give us warning, but he does say when it comes, no one's going to miss it. When it comes, it affects everyone. It affects everyone the entire world, in fact, the entire cosmos. No one misses it. It's not going to be so subtle. It's not going to be so particular that if I happen to be looking in a different direction, I don't see the sign. Because the sun that shines over all the world is what will go dark. The stars that brighten the common sky are what will fall. The moon, whose light warms the evening for everyone, is what will not glean for everyone. It's a sign that won't be missed. And why is that important? Because the Christian heart troubles itself so readily. We're fascinated with trying to predict the end. We're fascinated with trying to find the hidden indications of what happens next. And when we fall into that, we actually lose the beauty of the present moment by our worry and our fascination with tomorrow. And so Jesus says, I'm telling you what the signs are and that you're not going to miss them so that then you can attend to the business of living in the way that gets you ready for my coming. And the way you get ready is not to worry about how do I know when that day is. The way to get ready is to say, what's the real condition of my heart? When the Lord returns, will he find his people looking for him, waiting for him, and ready for him? Or will he find his people busy about other things? Will he return as the Lord to those whose lives have been put in order by him? Or will he turn to a world that is merely chaos? To a people who have simply surrendered to the violent order of the world around them? Because the Lord then says, when I come, let's be clear. Violence will be done away with. Greed will be done away with. Injustice will be done away with, and everything built on those things will be brought to nothing. And that is non-negotiable. Because the world we look for and the victory we look for is a victory that is complete and total. Not partial. Not a compromise with evil. Not a making our peace with that little bit of wickedness we need to just get by. It all goes away. It all goes away. And those false idols that say, we are what is necessary, will be brought to nothing. And all that is built on them, that has placed its trust in them will crumble. In other words, those hearts that have been beating in time to those things have much to worry about. But those whose hearts, imperfectly how they may do it, have been attempting to learn to beat and to move in accordance with the spirit of life that I have given, those hearts have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about, because the goodness to which they are moving will be given to them in its fullness, and whatever shadow has settled over their lives will be taken away. You know, sometimes as we hear language of the end, we have in the back of our mind that movie where stuff blows up all over the place, but what we really believe is something much greater than that and actually much more dramatic than that something so wonderful we can't imagine it because we don't know what a world without sadness looks like. We don't know what a world without violence looks like. We don't know what it is to live and not be afraid of anything. We don't know what a world without death looks like. We can try to imagine it, but we have nothing to compare it to because everything we know, good as it is, is clouded is darkened by sorrow, by loss, by the fact that all things pass over time. And yet the Lord says, for those whose hearts belong to me, oh, there is so much more than that, so much better than that. And he speaks in this way so that we don't preoccupy ourselves with phantoms that frighten us, but with that glorious vision of what it is he brings when he comes, which is an ending of evil and life for goodness. Because note what the promise is. It's not just that when I come, stars will fall from the sky, but the wise will burn brightly in the heavens as if they were stars. It is not just that the sun and moon will fail to give their light, but that the radiant glory of the Lamb and the goodness of God will shine more brightly than any sun, any thousand suns ever could. Those things pass, but what endures is the Lord and his word and those hearts that belong to him. So let's go back to how we began then. This idea of hearts beating in time as they hear the words of a story. And note what Jesus says. All these things pass away. Oh, but my word doesn't. And what a wonderful thing that even now, small and fragile as we are, our hearts might begin to beat with the rhythm of eternity itself because that is the story that does not pass. That is the story that does not end, because he is the Lord of all creation and Lord forever and ever, amen.